give the Lord a good hand clap right now. Hallelujah. Sweet Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for your goodness and your love and your power. Amen. I am appreciative of the privilege to be with you here today and uh, want to try to be a blessing to each of you. Been on the mission field for a few years now. We were in Mexico 12 years prior to going to Spain. It was our training ground and uh, Mexico, largest Spanish-speaking nation in the world. Spain, second largest Spanish-speaking nation. And uh, I have always been one to love a challenge because I know that God is more than able, more than able to help us. Hallelujah. And he has done that. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Murphy, for allowing me to come. Uh, my wife is in Spain today. I just thought a few minutes ago I could call her and I'd say, hey, honey, take a picture of the washer and dryer, especially if you've got some clothes on. <laughs> Man, because she is there uh, in Spain. Uh, we pastor the central church in the city of Madrid, the capital of Spain. Uh, plus, I have the responsibility of the president of the work. And we have three Bible schools going Two in Madrid, one in the second largest city, the city of Barcelona. We're doing everything we can <clears throat> to reach that nation and uh, training intensively, I uh, feel, has been one of the keys. We started our first school about six months after I had arrived on the field. The next year, we started the second school and then about three years ago, we started what has been only the second full-time Bible school in all of Europe. Quite the challenge. Europe is very expensive uh, in a lot of ways, and, and, uh, but God has helped us, and we're there, and they're doing a great job. I'm going to be able to go back over there in about a week and a half for a month to be there for our Bible school graduation our ministerial seminar, and the anniversary services for the church that I pastor and excited to be able to go back over there for a little while. Amen. Well, I've already had church in Madrid today, seven hours ahead of us, and uh, they told me that the house was full. Uh, Mother's Day was actually last Sunday over there. And so they celebrated it then, but today the house is full, both in the A, the B service. God is blessed in a wonderful way. They told me years ago when I, I requested change of field, I wanted to go from Mexico to Spain, <clears throat> and I was asked why. Why would you want to leave a revival field such as Mexico has become and go to a field like Spain that has never really had an apostolic revival. Well, the only answer I knew to give was that I felt it was the will of God. And so, but you've got to understand everybody that goes up before that missions board always says the same thing. It's the will of God. And uh, one of the brothers said, do you have a second reason? And uh, I, I knew that he wanted one. So typically, uh, I think quick on my feet most of the time. And I said, yes, sir. I said, you've told me for about 10 minutes why Spain has not had 
revival, the difficulties there's, there's been, the investment that has been made, and, and the difficulty that is presented. I said, that's reason number two. He said, what do you mean? I said, if they've never had revival, it's about time they do. Praise God. And I didn't mean that arrogantly at all because I fully believe with all of my heart God is no respecter of persons. He said he would pour out of his spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. And so the last 16 years we've labored diligently uh, in that nation. We've organized structure uh, now we have six districts. We have missions programs and a lot of other things that are very vital to reaching a nation like that. In our Bible school, we teach effective evangelism. It's not about just inviting somebody to church. It's about making a disciple for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we were commanded to do. And so we work diligently I've been home now for just over two and a half months. Emails that I've received in the city of Valladolid. Valladolid is the birthplace of the Spanish language. They had meetings on a Saturday and had 39 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, a weekend before that meeting, Barcelona we have five, five uh, uh, churches now in Barcelona. Beautiful, beautiful city. Uh, I like everything except the soccer team, and I'm from Madrid. That's the only reason why I say that. But And uh, you folks don't understand the rivalry that's between the two cities. They bring out the paddy wagons every time they have a, a football, soccer game because, I mean, they fight over it. They won't fight about anything else, but that they do. Barcelona, beautiful city, one church, one weekend, 40 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In, in Molina de Segura, another place, 10 received the Holy Ghost about three weeks ago. Two weeks ago in Saragossa, Motor City of Spain, they had 18 receive the Holy Ghost. My church, I'm not there but our people have learned, learned to teach Bible studies. They've learned to do cell groups. And if you'll get the word of God outside of the warehouse, out in the field, you'll have a harvest. Hallelujah. You really will. Somebody said, how have you had that much growth? I tell them we sow a lot of seed. And that is the purpose for the church to do such things. And it was... Um, Three weekends ago, 18 received the Holy Ghost on a Sunday. Two weekends ago, two. Today, they said, Brother Sons, we had almost 800 in both of the services. Tremendous revival. I'm telling you, if you want a move of God, if you want revival, just roll up your sleeves and go to work. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is the king. And so... The Lord is blessed in that fashion. We have started 20 daughter works out of the congregation that I pastor. They have started 13 daughter works. We've gone in 16 years from about three churches to over 47 churches in that nation, over 5,000 believers when we had 55, and uh, I, I want revival. I want churches to have revival. I want countries to have revival. Amen. We must reach souls. 
much resouls, and that is our desire. I want to preach to you just for a little while today, if you'll stand with me for the reading of the Word. Now, I have a hard time uh, first several months after I get back from the field uh, preaching in English because I preach in Spanish and have for the last 28 years. Do we have anyone that speaks Spanish here? I'm looking, I'm looking. Somebody said, de nada. <laughs> oh, you go to the, you ask for enchiladas and tacos, don't you? Or the Mexican, yeah, you speak more than you realize. And and then you want the, uh, the hot sauce. Uh, they talk to me about Spanish food. Spanish food and Mexican food are totally different. Totally different. Spanish is more Mediterranean, a lot of fish. We live on a peninsula a lot of garlic, Mexico. Well, you know what Mexican food is. And I like both of them. Praise God. Told him I was coming on deputation. The Bible school students made me do a pre-deputation weigh-in. <laughs> I usually gain about 20 pounds and lose about 10. Uh, when I go back to the field, that's been five deputations ago. So I used to be just a little stick, and and uh, deputation has had a way to... To make my ministry grow in more ways than one. <laughs> Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written by man shall, <clears throat> man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man, man shall not live by bread alone. This is something you can live by, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Dear Lord, thank you for this assembly. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the love of God that we feel today. Anoint your word. Confirm it, I pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated Elijah, uh, and that was one of my challenges when I was learning Spanish. I have a hard time with Elijah and Elisha in English. Try to try to preach about them in another language. It's Elias and Eliseo. And there's times that I've told the stories of one when it was really the other one, but it doesn't matter. It was the work of God anyhow. Elijah was known as one of the principal prophets of Israel, his ministry was marked with prophetic words, with tremendous miracles. And you know some of the miracles that he was able to do by the help of God. Ahab uh, appeared before him prophesying of a severe drought. Even the brook where Elijah drank from dried up as, a, as proof of what God would do the miracle I suppose that I liked the best was the multiplication of the meal and the oil from the widow of Sarepta's house. And I come from a large family. Thinking of Mother's Day, my mother raised seven kids. She always got the award for the biggest family in the church and and uh, seven boys at that. And and uh, she still, I called her yesterday, talked to her for a little while, and she was telling me about some of my brothers coming 
by to seek her. When God supplies the need of a family, when he supplies the need of a missionary, when he supplies the need of a church, you realize how great he is and how close he is and how loving God is to his children. In another occasion, it was in an upper room where he stayed. He prayed for a boy that had been dead for several days there. And who can forget the run-in with the 400 prophets of Baal in all? The Scripture talks about seven mighty demonstrations of the power of God. And bear with me while I lay a foundation to what I want to get to this morning Elisha was a young man that served Elijah. I have a lot of young people around me in my church. We have a large youth group. I teach in the Bible schools all of the time. They ask me, Brother Stones, how do you find the will of God? I tell them every time, serve him and serve his people, and you'll find where the will of God is. God uses people that are willing to work, willing to serve, that are not looking for place and position. Rather, they are looking to serve God in the place that God desires to use them. Service is one of the greatest things that will take you before the throne of God. Came time to pass the mantle. Elisha made a very difficult request of his mentor. He said, I beg you a double portion of your spirit. If you see me when I am taken, it shall be so. And so you study the life of Elisha. He almost achieved during his lifetime, that double portion, 13 miracles were attributed to him as he lived. The oil of the widow multiplied, saving her two sons from slavery. Naaman, the leper, taught us the power of obedience. And a lot of things happened, but it appeared that that double portion was not going to happen to the prophet. Although he spent years believing and seeing the hand of God, that last miracle, that 14th miracle, just did not take place when he was alive. And that's how it can be with you and I. There are times that circumstances and difficulties that we face appear to have more power than our faith. The doctor has given his last diagnosis. Maybe the judge has given his last statement, his last judgment. Maybe that kings have made a last decree as was in the day or the story of Esther. But there's one thing, church, God always has the last word. And what I want to bring to this church today is no matter where you are, no matter who you are, there is a God in heaven that has his eyes upon you, and he loves you, and he will have the last word. He will have the last word. Hallelujah. Pharaoh told Moses and Aaron, I will not 
let you go, but it was God that said, I will set you free. The general of the Egyptian army said, we have them surrounding desert on one side, sea on the other. They are ours again. But wait just a minute, general. Our God has not finished speaking yet. He is not through with this situation. And my brother and sister, God is not through speaking into your life. He will always have the last word. Hallelujah. Always have the last word. Wind blows strongly upon the sea, and when the wind blew, a dry path was opened in the middle of the Red Sea, and God's people passed over on the other side. The enemy trying to do the same drowned, and one more time, our God had the last word. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you served God. If you're new or you've been in the church a long time, you can count on him. You can depend on him. He is God. He never fails. All power is given unto him. And he will work and move in our lives and in our hearts. Hallelujah. When God speaks, something is always going to happen. Ask the disciples Asked the disciples when there was no more wine at the wedding of, the, of Cana of Galilee, fill the pots with water. Lord, it's not water they want, it's wine. Jesus' mother must have insisted. She said, just do what he says in the power of his last words must have surprised even his disciples, but not his mother because she knew who he was. And the guest said, he has saved the best for last. Let me tell you something. The more I live and the more I serve God, the more I know that he has a master plan. He's working along this way and that way. He's got it all lined up. And I've learned that I'm not always going to understand the end game or the end result. But he knows where he's going. He knows what he wants done. And if I'll just be patient and walk in the light I have, there will be more light when I need it. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You don't have to fear if you know him. He's on your side. He's going to work on your behalf. Hallelujah. His disciples must have thought the same thing. Launch out into the deep children. But Lord, we've already worked all night long. All night long. And we haven't caught anything. Absolutely nothing as someone said, nada, hallelujah. I love to preach in Spanish. It's got life to it, praise God. And I mean, it's a Latin language. And if a Spaniard breaks his arm, he's got a speech impediment because they can't talk without just waving their arms and moving their shoulders. And the Italians and, and the Spaniards are very much alike. And 
that sense. But let me tell you something. The Lord will step on a scene and he will give a word. And you may not see the results. You may not see that little cloud in the sky. He may not give you a sign. But friend, he's not wanting you to look for a sign. He's wanting you to simply believe that he's able, that he can, that he will, that he wants to, that he desires to, and that he will have the last word. Man, we haven't caught anything, Peter said, but I'll cast the net at your word. And what they couldn't do all night long, Jesus did with his last word. I'm telling you, he is able. I'm telling you, he can. I'm telling you, he desires to move in a great fashion on our part. Several years ago, I was on deputation and uh, and uh, somebody asked me, it was funny, a few weeks ago they said, what does is, what is PIM stand for? I said, that means put him in Madrid. And so, uh, <laughs> or I could say put him with Melva because that's my wife, Melva June. And, and uh, I can make up all kinds of things. And, or put him with Melanie, that's my daughter that's over there. And, but I, I, I was on deputation six years ago, maybe, and I, my wife was in Austin uh, with my daughter. She was studying in university and, and uh, traveling in Oklahoma. My mother called, and, and mom uh, has a special gift. She can talk if you can listen, and she will talk as long as you listen. And uh, she's just gifted, I mean, and so... Mom called, and she said, Gary, we've got a problem. And I said, what's going on, Mom? She said, Mark, Mark is my third oldest brother, and um, Mark was um, uh, the rebellious son, left home at 15 years old, got involved in drugs and a lot of other things that I couldn't say here today should be in prison today. But Mark got far away from family, far away from God. And uh, we didn't hear from him for years. He developed a disease about 15 years ago. His lungs will fill up with protein molecules. And he gets to where he couldn't breathe. And he would have to go to the Houston Medical Center. They had a doctor there that had fabricated a tool. The tool would go down his esophagus and split into his lungs, would keep him breathing on the small little part that he had on one side while it meticulously and slowly washed out the other side from those molecules. Two weeks later, he would go the other procedure for the other side. The doctor had retired. No one was willing to take the risk that that surgery represented so easily he could have choked to death because he had so little lungs or space in his lungs. And uh, my mother called. She said, Gary, his lungs are full. No doctor wants to take the risk uh, of operating on him. He can barely breathe. He's away from God. What are we going to do? I told mom, I said, Mom, there's something that the Lord gave me when we, re when we re recently got to Spain, and that is that Spaniards are a very proud people. 
They have a large and long history. And unless you studied it, no one did more to carry their religion around the world than they did, more so than the Italians, the Spaniards with their galleons and their ships and their navies carrying. They carried people around the world to preach their gospel. And so uh, I said that the Lord let me know they, they won't repent. They don't see a need to. But he said if you'll read Daniel chapter 9, I really have a hard time with names of the Bible. Daniel sounds so much better than Daniel. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 9. And I read it and I saw that when Daniel understood what God had decided about the desolation of the city of Jerusalem, let me tell you something, church. God decides, but he needs somebody that will pray that will out of heaven upon this earth. Hallelujah. And when Daniel saw what God had decided, he said he did this. He turned his face towards God, and he began to repent for that nation. I thought it was strange. I continued to search out the subject. I found that Nehemiah also repented for his nation. I found out that Job repented for his children just in case they sinned. And then I saw when the disciples said, teach us Lord, how to pray. He said, this is how I need you to pray. Pray, Lord, your will that is in heaven, let it be done upon the earth. Uh, let me tell you, God has got some beautiful designs. Uh, he's got some beautiful things uh, decided uh, in heaven, but there's still something called prayer, and there's still something called a people of God that must get a glimpse uh, of what's going on in the heavenly and pray it down upon this earth. Hallelujah. And I don't know how much of a revelation that is for you, but you and I hold the key. Hallelujah. We hold the key for a revival that buildings will not hold. In our church in Madrid, it's about half the size of this building, this auditorium, maybe a little less than that. We can't afford another building because of how expensive it is. No problem. We'll just do two services. I preach the same thing in the second service, and we've got plans for a third one. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, revival cannot be stopped. God has got more Holy Ghost to pour out than we can imagine. Hallelujah. 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 And so not only did Daniel see what was decided by God in heaven, but he repented for a nation. And in that Lord's prayer, not only were his children to pray the will of God out of heaven, his design out of heaven upon the earth, but he said, when you repent, this is how I need you to repent. Not just God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. It was forgive us our trespasses. And so I've taught our people, our small group of people years ago that God cannot resist somebody that's repenting and somebody that's seeking after God for that nation. And that's exactly what has brought the blessings of the Lord upon them to have mercy upon him.
for those we don't know about, uh, and we're going to ask God to have mercy upon him. We don't know about, uh, and we're going to ask God to have mercy upon him. Tell my mother about, uh, and we're going to ask God to have mercy upon him. Now, my mother knows how to pray to raise seven boys. you got to know how to pray. Hallelujah. And, and she, she knows how to play, and she knows how to pray. We all had motorcycles when I was small. Mama had two, a dirt bike and a street bike. She's 79 years old today, and she has a four-wheel drive Jeep. And I mean, just uh, she said, I'm going to stay up with the boys. And, but she knows how to pray. I've heard her pray hours. I've heard her make us kneel down in the living room while she interceded and prayed in tongues. And that's who taught me how to pray. That's who taught me how to get a hold of God. I wouldn't be able to do what I do today without a mother that was able to teach me the most important thing in this life. Hallelujah. And so she said, I've never heard of that son, but if you say it, we'll do it. We prayed. We repented. I was traveling in Oklahoma. She down in Houston. She called me a week later, and she said, Gary, I've got to talk to you. I said, Mom, I'm in a hurry. I'm on my way to, to a, a soul-winning seminar tonight. And she said, I've got to talk to you. I said, I'll call you later. She said, you're going to listen to me right now, boy. I said, yes, ma'am. Hallelujah. <laughs> she said, your brother Mark went to church for the first time in 38 years on Sunday. First time, hallelujah, in 38 years. I said, Mom, it's working. Let's just step on the pedal, hallelujah. I'm telling you, sometimes when you start to make some progress in prayer, you lighten up. Don't do that. Step on it harder. Give it a lot more because you're getting closer. And so we did. And I had gone down into West Texas, Texaco District. I was over on the western side in Gallup, New Mexico. Came out of service on a Sunday morning. Got my cell phone. It said, call home. I called mom and she said, son, she said, listen to this. She walked over to where my brother was. He was speaking in tongues an hour and a half after church was over with on a Sunday morning. Why? Because God always has the last word. Because God is God and God is able and God can and God will. Hallelujah. You've got to know that he loves you. He loves your children. He loves your family. And if you will stand in the gap for them and you will lift their names up before the throne of grace, there's no telling what God can do. My brother hasn't had that procedure in six years, and he's doing well because God can heal. God can save. God can deliver. God can do whatever you have need of in this place place this morning. He can do whatever you have need of. He's able to go beyond what we could ever ask or think. I close with this this morning. If musicians would come, this has been years ago before I became a missionary. I was probably 20, 
years old, I still lived at home and was working. I came home one night, one evening about 5 o'clock. I was very tired. I had stayed up a lot of times. I was working on the Bible study team at church, and we taught Bible studies every night somewhere. And so I wanted to rest a little bit before I went back out. In a few minutes, my little brother came running in the house screaming. He said, my God, my God, Daddy's dying. And I ran out of the house. My dad backslid when I was eight years old. My mom took us seven boys to church all of those years without the help of Dad. And if you wanted to stay home, you had to face Shirley Omega Sones, S-O-S. And that was a job, friend. You just didn't cross her. That's all I can tell you. And, but my dad was laying outside between the two cars. He was far from God. He's drawing breath and held his arms over his chest. He was having a massive heart attack. 47 years old. I didn't know what else to do. His eyes rolled back in his head. He quit breathing. He died right there. He was gone. My brother was going to call the ambulance, but I knew that where we lived, it would be 10 minutes too long. So I did the only thing I knew to do. That was lay my hands on his chest. And I didn't beg or plead. I began to use the name of Jesus with authority. And I began to command that spirit of death to go. That my dad was not ready. Probably six or seven minutes went by. I prayed so loud the neighbors came running to see what was going on. And after about six or seven minutes... One last time, I knelt down to pray over that body. And I said, Spirit of death, in Jesus' name, go right now. As I did, my dad's body bounced off of the ground about a foot and a half. I was on my knees beside him. He just bounced up in the air. He started breathing. Hallelujah. And you know what? My dad's 81 years old now. He's back in the church. He's living for God. Hallelujah. The enemy of this life many times attacks with circumstances. And he knows what hurts us the most is a missionary, and I don't have time to tell you some of the stories, some of the things that we have faced to be able to do what we've been able to do, but the enemy comes for your family. I only have one daughter. Her name is Joy. But the enemy tries to attack, and family is usually the target. 
If I ask for a show of hands today, there would be quite a few that would go up. The enemy has talked to your heart. He strikes fear. Makes you think it's not going to turn out all right. But I want to speak a word of faith to you today. Hallelujah. The scripture says, above all, take the shield of faith. Above all, above all, take the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to, to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. How many of you felt like you've had some darts come close to home? Let me see your hand. Does it strike fear? Yes, it does. But I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's time to go on the offensive. And it's time to call on the name of the Lord. And it's time to say, God, you're going to have the last word today. The devil may have said this. The doctor may have said that. The lawyer may have said that. This person may have said this or that. But God, you are going to have the last word. I want you to stand with me. And instead of going out that door today, worrying, fearing, fretting, unable to sleep at times, I want you to come down to this altar and say, I'm tired of that. I want to put my faith squarely in the one that can do something about it. If you'll come down here and you'll raise your hand and say, I know my God is not through speaking as of yet. I know my God is going to move. I know my God is going to touch. I know my God's going to bake away where there's been no way. I know my God's going to heal. I know my God's going to save. My God is going to forgive. Hallelujah. And I want you to begin to call on him. And I want you to name the situation to the Lord. And I want you to tell the Lord, I know you're going to have the last word in this situation. You're going to have the last word in this, uh, this case. Uh, you're not going to fail. You're not going to come short. You're not going to stay silent. Man, I didn't finish the sermon, but it was after they threw a dead man's body on the dried up bones of Elisha that the word of God came true. And the situation can be difficult. It can be hard. It can be far gone. You can even have already accepted it. But God doesn't want you to accept it. He wants you to believe in him and believe that he loves you and that he'll have the last say. He'll have the last word no matter what the circumstance looks like.
name of Jesus. Come on, folks, all across the building. Let's create an atmosphere of faith where the Spirit of the Lord can work. Would you do it? Everybody reach heavenward right now. God has an answer for somebody right now. God has an answer for somebody right now. He has a miracle for somebody right now. Let him work. Somebody let the Holy Ghost work right now. Hallelujah. Do what you feel like doing. Do what you feel like doing. Let the Spirit of the Lord have his way. Let him have his way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God has come today to restore your hope, to restore your faith. Hallelujah. Let the Spirit of the Lord have his way, everybody. Everybody, let the Spirit of the Lord work right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus.